This episode is dedicated to Sudley Calder Schubert. Hello and welcome to another episode of Insightfully Speaking, a podcast by Kardec Group. I'm Adam Osborne and I'm joined once again by my co-hosts Annie Sinclair and Umberto Schubert as we, along with two special guests, will be looking at recent events, news and other interesting things as we look at the world from a spiritist perspective. On this episode our guests are... Tanya Stevanin from Sheffield, and Florenzo Anton from Brazil. Today we're going to be looking at some recent news, as well as the life of Suli Calder Schubert, news reports about spirits and communications with the dead, as well as talking about mediumship and what it means to be a medium. We'll also be looking at your question for what does spiritism say about, and as always, we'll have a moment of reflection with Annie. But first, let's say hello to my co-hosts, Annie and Umberto. How have you been? Hi, Adam, and hello to everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, uh, all the better for the sun has come out and uh, the weather has improved. Uh, and it makes me think about the impact of the sunshine on my moods. Uh, they're, much, they're much improved. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have the, um, the COVID coming and going. We thought we were getting rid of it. It's, it's coming back again. But hey-ho, whatever, we just take a day at a time. And today, I am grateful for the sunshine. Hello, everyone. Well, uh, here in Brazil, the fall is particularly cold, uh, which is not very common. And uh, the situation with the pandemic is uh, improving very slowly, but it is. And uh, meanwhile, unfortunately, COVID uh, hit the first blow to, to my own family. Uh, since my, my grandmother, uh, about whom we are going to speak today, just uh, passed a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And obviously, we'll be talking about uh, your grandmother in in a moment and yes Annie you're absolutely right the pandemic is unfortunately still here and the cases are creeping up again here in the UK but you know vaccinations are also being spread out around the world and the United States have just this past couple of days pledged to give over 100 million vaccines to all the different countries around the world so hopefully this pandemic can start to slow down soon. So, let's bring on our special guests. Tanya Stevanin is a microbiologist and psychologist working for the NHS as part of a multidisciplinary team offering treatment for substance misuse. She's also a co-founder of the Sheffield Spiritist Group. And we have with us Florencia Anton, who is a nurse, university lecturer and author from Salvador, Bahia. He's one of the founders of Grupo Spiritus Shela and is also a painting medium. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Florenzo. How have you been and how has the pandemic affected you? Hello, everybody. It's great to join you here today. Uh, the pandemic has not affected me personally that much in terms of life, professional life, because uh, we remained open and seeing, not seeing, but seeing... Uh, 
doing the, the service that we do, offering the service that we offer as normal. Uh, I think personally, as everybody else, we've been affected by the pandemic. I've had, I have at the moment, uh, one of my cousins is in hospital fighting for his life. And I think this is one thing that we can say about the pandemic that it's united everybody around the world, made us realize how close a family we actually are. And I, I hope that the politicians get that message as well and move on with the distribution of the vaccines. Hello, dear friends. It's a great joy to be here with you, building spiritist knowledge. I must say that even though I'm in Brazil and we're going through winter, here in the city of Salvador, the thermometers read 32 degrees. The sun shines splendidly outside and it speaks to me of hope. Hope that that should not grow cold in our hearts, especially on days when we face the injunctions of death, of loss and grief due to COVID. Yeah, so thank you for being with us. And yes, again, you know, we, I, I think it's difficult to find anyone who has not been affected one way or another because of this pandemic. We know many people who have unfortunately left the physical plane due to this and you know again we have to just make sure that we keep ourselves healthy and safe so that others can also continue as well so let's look at some recent things that have been going on is there life on other planets well according to the american government the answer is maybe just recently, the Pentagon, the U.S. Department for Defense, released a report based on one of the sightings of UFOs, or UAPs as they are now known, unidentified aerial phenomena, citing some widely distributed footage taken by U.S. Navy pilots in 2020, the Pentagon said that they have not found any earthly origin for this fast-moving object that they've seen in the video. But when asked if they were extraterrestrial, the answer was, we don't know. Of course, there is still speculation that these may actually be from China or Russia. So, who knows? Can we reverse climate change? Well, the United Nations have actually just launched their Decade on Ecosystem Restoration Programme, stating that an area the size of China needs to be rewilded with new plants and trees within the next few years in order to prevent the loss of biodiversity and the potential collapse of the ecosystem. The British government has appealed to the 100 richest families in the UK to pledge £1 billion to tackle the climate crisis. And His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles, has launched the Queen's Green Canopy campaign, inviting everyone no matter where they are on the planet, to plant at least one tree over the next year to celebrate Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. So that, combined with the campaign to mow your lawn much less, are great initiatives that we can take up to take part in helping to keep our planet healthy. Spooky things have been going on and have been reported in the British newspapers. Well, to be honest, British papers love to talk about ghosts and paranormal activity, including the during the 1850s and 1860s, where there were various news articles, letters and discussions about spiritualist activities, 
and even news from France related to a certain Alan Kardec. More recently, British artist Tracy Emin reported that while in hospital recovering from cancer-related surgery, she saw dead people coming out of the wall and surrounding her bed. Emin says that she believes in the invisible world, and her belief in other dimensions is a scientific but not religious belief. Emin has also stated that when visiting the underground archives of the Edvard Munch Museum in Oslo, a hat belonging to the painter of the scream moved, and a heavy steel door was slammed shut, both activities being attributed to the spirit of Munch himself. And the next Indiana Jones film will apparently be filmed at Bamberg Castle in Northumberland, here in the UK, which is said to be one of Britain's most haunted locations. So obviously there is interest in aspects of life and the spirit world, and one person who has been highly respected for her work related to mediumship within the spiritist movement has been Suli Calder-Schubert. Umberto. What can you tell us about Suli, about her work and her contributions towards spiritism? Well, uh, Suli was uh, a medium since her teenage, uh, and uh, she quite often had contacts or visions or at least intuitions about the, the spiritual world. She also came from uh, a spiritist family since at least the very beginning of the 20th century, maybe the end of the 19th century, we are still not sure about the, this data, since uh, people uh, in, in, in the past were not used to, to take careful records of everything. But uh, she was quite proud about this past, about this uh, heritage or this tradition of uh, involvement with spiritism in her family. And uh, she, she started as a medium, but uh, around her 50s, uh, which is relatively late in her life, she started uh, writing. Uh, and uh, she eventually became a very uh, acknowledged and respected author in the field of uh, spiritism, particularly regarding mediumship which was, we could say, um, her speciality or something of the sort. Um, because of that, because of her literary career, she um, eventually also became a, a sort of small celebrity in, in the spiritist movement, and she had to attend to a huge uh, number of conferences, events, and, and meetings. Uh, which she did uh, quite happily, always uh, with a very strong sense of duty of being working for the advance of knowledge about this natural phenomena uh, of, of mediumship. Yeah, and ex exactly that word, natural phenomena. So thank you for sharing those details, Umberto. Well, the main focus of what we are talking about today is mediumship, and no, it is an important part of spiritism. In fact, without the spirit activities of the 1840s and the 1850s, there is a chance that French educator Hippolyte Léon Denizard Rivail 
would not have had the opportunity to scientifically investigate mediumship activity and therefore may not have created the Spirit's Book or the Medium's Book, two of the various publications that he produced under the pseudonym Alan Kardec, who he is better known as. Understanding about reincarnation, life after death, and the existence and activity of spirits is core to spiritism, as it helps us to better understand ourselves, the importance of charity, and the importance of taking care of ourselves and taking steps to improve ourselves. And the medium's book itself is the main reference to understanding what mediumship is, how it can or should be conducted, and the benefits too. So my first question today is, as there is interest in ghost hunting, news stories about spirit manifestations, a rise in popular psychic readings, as well as interest in UFO, astrology, tarot, etc. Why do you think that many people are curious about spirit communications and mediumship, but do not want to investigate it further and study it? I would start by saying that uh, each and every person is a medium, to some extent, uh, at least. So uh, it, it is well known that in all religions and spiritual traditions, uh, we acknowledge the, the presence of some uh, supposed supernatural influence in dreams and in intu intuitions and unnoticed uh, extrasensorial perceptions, sometimes very subtle. But uh, when we are talking about ostensive mediumship, uh, it's characterized by uh, the feeling or, or the conviction that some alien uh, thoughts uh, or, or feelings are present to our conscious. I just want to add a little bit there, thinking, why are people interested in this? Well, I think that the answers could be manifold as people uh, also have a variety of reasons why they might be interested or, or not or be fearful. I know that um, when I was being growing up or in my particular family culture, um, things to do with uh, spiritism, mediums, the occult, inverted commas, were considered to be dangerous and not touched. You must not go there. Uh, really bad things could happen to you, although I wasn't quite sure what those bad things could be. But uh, yeah, so there was a lot of prohibition on a, on a level of a personal experience uh, within the immediate cultural group. So only after becoming an adult and then becoming more confident to start to investigate things, then I could move forward. So I think that uh, some people might bring with them uh, some fear or some uh, idea of uh, prohibitions that might have had origin in their family in their churches or in their society. So that might be impacting uh, you know, why people don't want to study it amongst many other reasons why, but that, I'm just putting one out there for the moment. Historically, mediumship has always been used as a means of manipulation and control by the controlling ruling classes, especially the religious classes. And that is being substituted by the scientific community. So when the religious uh, groups decided that mediumship was not to be acknowledged in more recent times, scientists took over the role of 
denial and control because basically information is knowledge information and knowledge is power and those who hold the power can control the world so scientists now deny the existence of mediumship because they want to to dictate what knowledge people should be believing in so they deny the existence of mediumship and religious uh, groups only acknowledge mediumship as something good if it comes from their own community in the way that those who rule decide is right. So the, the rest of the population are left with stigma. If, if I say I'm, I'm a medium out aloud uh, in the Western world, I will be classed as mentally disturbed by the medic professions or possessed by the devil by many of the religious classes. So there isn't, spiritism is the only, the only kind of science and philosophical spiritual uh, philosophy that acknowledges mediumship as something natural, not to be feared, but to be um, treated with respect and care. Quando... When I think of mediumship, I automatically connect to the question of spirituality. And in this case, I perceive spirituality as one of the human dimensions. The story and its Dorst, a researcher who tells us, in the preface of the book, Carl Gustav Jung, writings on spirituality and transcendence, that spirituality has been part of humanity's path, history, for over 30,000 years. I particularly understand from that perspective that spirituality becomes a social anthropological constant. Based on recent studies, we could even say that spirituality is part of this set of innate ideas of the human being, which naturally causes it to arouse a curiosity about, around this theme. It is well known, therefore, that the mediumistic faculty or mediumistic practice and the phenomena arising from it in a certain way, calls our attention to the immortality of the soul, to the spiritual dimension of the human being, which involves a series of other variables, a series of other factors. Perhaps this is why we have this immense curiosity to confirm, through the observation of mediumistic phenomena, what we already have as an innate idea that we are in fact immortal and that we can reveal this immortality from the spirit plane through mediumistic phenomena. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we obviously do see mediumship as being this innate natural phenomena um, that everyone has the ability to understand and work with if they study about it. So the first question we have today for what does spiritism say about is, the question we have here is, how do I know if I or someone else is a medium? I'll throw in my, my two pennies to start. 
And following up on what Umberto said and, and uh, Florence as well, mediumship is a natural um, quality that we all have to some degree. Some people have it more pronounced, but uh, in the medium's book, it will even say mediumship can be as varied as human beings are varied. So when we try to classify things, it's an attempt to help us uh, develop our knowledge, but it's about putting things in boxes that don't always fit. So how do I know? Is there a, a, a little sign on your forehead saying M for medium? Don't think so. So mediumship can present in many different ways. People, there could be people, and I know some people who have ostensive phenomena happening around them that calls their attention, that interferes with their daily activities, and you can't ignore it. But for the majority of people, it might be quite subtle, and it might take some time to actually realize that that's what it is. But at the end of the day, um, the thinking about mediumship, it's not uh, to say it's like a badge to distinguish you, to make you a celebrity or somebody, but it's just something normal. Actually, I would say that if you come with ostensive mediumship or if mediumship is quite pronounced, that I would say that that is in your incarnation, not by chance, but by uh, careful planning, uh, because uh, it helps us. If we don't pay attention living in the material world, we can become all consumed and believe in this material uh, paradigm and forget that we are in fact spirit, that we come from the spiritual world, that we return to the spiritual world and that we are just here on an episode of learning. So to help us, to remind us who we are, where we're coming from and where we are going, mediumship is a blessed instrument because it just oh, reminds us so that we don't get confused by this material world that we end up believing in. Well, um, mediumship is just a technical name or an attempt of coining a scientific term for the intermediation between this and the spiritual world. And mediums were identified in every culture uh, and called uh, prophets, seers, shamans, or oracles, uh, witches, and, and so on. But um, they are nothing but uh, the ones who can feel and, and sense the spiritual reality a bit uh, clearer than the, the ordinary ones. I think I would, I would ask another question. And the question here is, does it matter? Does it matter if we can identify someone as a medium or not? Uh, at the end of the day, does it matter if what we are experiencing comes from a, a, a spirit outside myself or myself or my imagination? The question we need to ask is, what am I doing with it? Am I doing something good? Is it being positive in my life? Is it bringing something positive to other people's lives? If the answer to those questions is yes, if it's not creating disturbances, if it's not creating illness, if it's not creating uh, problems in my relationships, my health or others, then does it matter? Do I have to label myself or someone else as medium or something else rather than just 
a person. As you said, mediumship is as varied and diverse as humans, and we are all unique. I found the considerations of the three panelists very interesting. Naturally, as a medium, I can't help but bring a little bit of my history to those three perspectives. I am what Alan Kardec calls a natural medium. Since the start of my childhood, the spirits manifested themselves. And obviously, it's necessary for us to recall some situations involving, which involve mediums, especially mediums who are beginners. The first of these concerns personal questions. What is happening to me? Is everyone else seeing what I see, hearing what I hear? The other question is the social-cultural question. Normally, the mediumistic faculty or mediumship manifestations are seen as phenomena, purely situated in the field of fantasy and in the field of imagination. When we consider the possibility of good faith and balanced mental health of the individual, who tells us about this kind of phenomena, or sometimes when the phenomena are more pronounced and generate some emotional discomfort, we call them crazy and we hand them over, in a certain way, to materialistic psychiatry and psychology. And I remember that when I was small and these manifestations were happening, the answers that I would get came from a biased religious perspective. So, we have the third perspective about mediumship. Why is that? Because it was considered for many years that mediums were, in fact, those responsible for revealing the occult, the the dark side of humanity, as it were, and were accessed by magical extraterrestrial beings, and who had, as their greatest scope, the greatest goal, to do evil towards people. They would be the devils, as it were, beings from hell. And I, as a child, obviously immersed in these in these processes asked myself especially when a spirit who approached me when i had behaved in a wrong way and said jesus wouldn't do that if he were you so i asked myself how could the devil how could a being that represents evil speak of jesus who is all goodness so, this situation has only been re-signified in my existential trajectory after my contact with the Spiritist teachings. I understand all religions and I respect, obviously, all religions and their philosophical processes. 
But I can't help saying that Spiritism, in its combination of scientific, philosophical and religious or moral, is a combination of excellence with regard to its rationality, with respect to its clarity, to explain these phenomena that I was carrying. So I began to understand myself more clearly, to understand that what was happening to me was a natural process, that the beings who manifested themselves through me, through clairvoyance, clairaudience, were not magical or fantastical beings, or demons, but rather human beings without a body and who took advantage of a process of, of hyper-expansion of sensitivity to be able to say, look, we are here. So, Spiritism, in its philosophical, scientific and religious aspects, taught me to effectively face mediumship as, as an extraordinary manifestation of the spiritual dimension of the human being, and therefore natural. And as a natural element reverberating in all aspects of human experience. Uh, what you said, Flores, is really important because it's about stigma. And this is the problem with mediumship a lot of the time. It's not the mediumship itself. It's not the medium. It's not even the spirits, the needy spirits that latch on to those mediums to, to ask for help or because they don't know any better. It's the stigma of feeling isolated because if you if you tell people even if fa family that I'm I'm seeing people I'm hearing people that are not there they tell you it's your imagination uh, forget about it you grow out of it or they take you to a doctor that will try to fill you up with medication to block those things or to a priest that will try to exorcise them away from you. And this is all to do with ignorance. It's not mediumship that's bad. It's our ignorance of it, of how, how natural it is, how amazing it can be. And if we can support, if we can guide and support our loved ones, our fellow members in society, when they present with more extensive mediumship and allow them to feel normal, to express it in a normal, healthy way. We wouldn't have half the problems we have with obsession or mental health disorders that we have in the world. Now, Tanya, I was going to actually ask you, uh, because you work with mental health, how can someone tell if they are actually hearing voices and are a medium, or if they have some kind of mental imbalance such as schizophrenia? It is not easy. It is very difficult. Um, I've come across people most of the times when people are mediums, they, they I ask questions like, um, what do they say? What is it that you hear? Do you know? the people who the voices belong to, and is, uh, uh, is there positive voices, voices that support you, that, that love you? Because usually if they say yes, 
to that. If they tell me something more specific about the voices, then it is quite likely that these people are mediums as well. They might have mental health issues because that's what bring them to me. They have often, they, they use abuse substances. They have a history of abuse as well. But when it is purely mental health related, the, the experience is very disconnected. There isn't a, a story to it. So they might hear uh, just noise, white noise, or they might think that the television is talking to them. There's paranoia involved in that as well. But even then, without really in-depth study that will take quite a long time, it is not always, often it's not possible to tell the difference. So as far as I'm concerned, if someone comes to me and they, they have trouble, they are troubled, I don't care whether it is a spirit or their imagination, because for them, their experience is real. And I treat it with due respect. Whether I believe or not, it's not their problem. What they come to me for is to, to be reassured that they, they haven't done anything wrong to be punished and tortured the way they are being by their mental health, by the, what's happening to them. So if for them it's real, as far as I'm concerned, it's real. And I just deal with it in that way. It, it is also relevant to inform people that psychotic voices make very, very short sentences. They do not build coherent discourse, uh, never. So uh, people usually attribute any sort of uh, alien communication to, to psychosis or to, to schizophrenia. While actually it is impossible to hear an entire page of uh, psychotic uh, voices in, in an ill state of mind. Uh, and we have automatic writers and uh, mediums who give us entire books without a single language mistake, completely coherent. And it is absolutely uh, impossible to attribute it to, to a psychotic psychotic voice yeah now florence you were talking about different kinds of uh the different kinds of mediumship and the effects and one aspect of spirit activity at the time of kardec was indeed physical effects mediumship and later on there was also a focus on materialization at present, spiritist groups focus on psychography, which is the automatic writing, and psychophony, spoken mediumship. So why has spiritism reduced working with materialization and physical effects mediumship? Wow, that's a big problem. <laughs> if you guys allow me, I will criticize our spiritist movement a lot. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> because obviously, I'm going to take the place of the medium, right? Look, I think it's for a number of reasons. We tend to 
throughout our life, throughout our experiences, to create some, some beliefs. And those beliefs, in a way, become truth, provisional truths that end up determining our way of doing things in this world. And one of the provisional truths, and I say provisional truths in inverted commas, that prevails within our spiritist movement is that the time of the phenomenon is over. And this, in my perspective, is a great mistake. It's a fallacious belief, which we need to constantly revisit from a critical reflective process. Because if the mediumistic faculty is a phenomenon, if it is part of the human structure, the phenomena arising from it will obviously continue for as long as humanity exists, obviously improving over time according to psychological, historical circumstances with evolution of the organism of the medium. In my modest opinion, our spiritist movement has turned more towards strengthening the theoretical perspective of Spiritism, which obviously we should recognize has a lot of value. And therefore, it has distanced itself a bit from the experience of mediumistic possibilities, reducing these possibilities to the phenomena of psychophony and psychography, which are phenomena, from my point of view, that are much easier to be obtained. And this way, and perhaps also because of the influence of personal opinions of certain spirits who communicated through influential mediums in our country, in Brazil, the spiritist movement saw fit to distance itself from activities more widespread activities in regard to experimental matters, because phenomena of physical effects, including materialization and noises, are a more pronounced phenomena that require, in a certain way, special care, so to speak. They are phenomena which are more complex that require a lot of, of investment of time, of study. And of course, because of this, we have, in a way, distanced ourselves. But this does not mean to say that these phenomena have disappeared from the spiritualist settings around the world. They might not be cultivated in the spiritist movement because of all these processes we've mentioned, but in spiritualist centers, these phenomena are cultivated and have produced very interesting effects and can bring to us spiritists who have specialized ourselves recently 
in theory, significant contributions of learning. To give us an idea, Anglo-Saxon spiritualist Europe has offered us mediums who are very powerful in terms of materialization effects. I myself have taken part in mediumistic activities with a Swedish psychic. Here in the city of Salvador, in Brazil, in the northeast of our country, where, for example, our dear Arnaldo Rocha, May May's husband, who is discarnate, produced a phenomenon of direct voice that was extremely significant within this experimentation. Just to note that the medium is Swedish and doesn't speak Portuguese. And we heard, and we heard clearly through the trumpet, Arnaldo Rocha's voice echoing everywhere and talking directly with a friend he knew in life who was present at this meeting. A fact that, for us, consolidated at that instant, through this experiment, the certainty of the immortality of the soul, the certainty of the communicability of spirits. It's obvious that for those who have already theoretically matured, these certainties are not necessary. However, as a pedagogue, as an educator, I notice that experimentation consolidates the theory. So here is my sincere criticism about the spiritist movement in the sense that we should go back, return to the origin, because experimentation, it, it confirms the theory and expands the learning about theory. An experiment not just for the sake of curiosity, an experiment to get the most out of the phenomenon that it can offer us in terms of learning about life. And this concerns the consolidation of hope, of consolation, of certainty in the future, among other other wonderful aspects in the sense of learning which we can obtain from these phenomena. I don't have much experience of the of the spiritualist movement in Brazil because of course most of my my life as a spiritualist has been in Europe and within the spiritualist movement rather than the spiritualist movement. But I think one of the, the factors is um, People can't be everything to everyone all the time. And I think in Europe, in this group that I'm familiar with, for example, we never had, because those mediums able to produce physical manifestations, materializations, movement, you know, sounds that other people can hear, they are quite rare. They're not as common as more or less anybody can sit down and do a psychography. Uh, and, but it's really a rare type of mediumship and reliable mediums of that can produce something more regularly. 
it is really not that common. It became less common. So groups specialized in, in the type of works that we're familiar with and maybe neglected the, as Florencia was saying, the, the study of, of certain types of mediumship. But that goes for more or less every type of mediumship. There isn't much study. There isn't much, even within the more developed, more developed in the sense of spiritist groups with more uh, resources, better resources, spiritist groups. There isn't like groups dedicated to, to scientifically, properly study mediumship in all its aspects. But one thing that I would, I would say that I would feel very uncomfortable with myself is if in a group that I was part of, if a medium presented as a, with the potential of physical manifestations, I would feel very uncomfortable if that medium was ostracized or pushed aside in benefit of other types of mediumship. I think everybody needs to be uh, encouraged and nurtured to be able to develop their full potential. So maybe this is something that the spiritist movement globally needs to look at. Are there uh, a sector of the people we, we attract that are being neglected? And if that is the case, then we need to, to be honest about it and do something about it. Yeah, you know, I, when Florencia was speaking and now you, Tanya, as well, uh, I was coming so much to my mind. I was thinking about William Crookes and uh, the, how he had to overcome all the resistance of his colleagues and how he was pushed aside by all kinds of people because he decided to investigate the materialization phenomena. And he used the tools that were available to him in those days. So trying to measure heart rate, temperature, weight, this, that, they're very quite, if we compare to the sophistication of tools nowadays, they were quite primitive tools, but those were the tools available and he used them to try to give some scientific um, perspective of what's actually going on here. And I think that, I mean, I think there, there, there is a little bit of work going on, but I think there is a field that could really expand, uh, but you uh, would have to have like say scientists who are brave, who are not afraid uh, to be controversial, to go against the flow and uh, in, in terms of investigating, because yeah, uh, we have some information, but there is so much more to understand about how this, uh, the ectoplasm or you know, how we expand our perispirit, what exactly is happening on a molecular level or, or all these kind of uh, sort of biological side to, to the mediumship as well as the sort of in-between and a spiritual side. And uh, I think it will come, but it's, it's, I think it's, it's kind of got lost on the way for whatever reasons. And yeah, and it's what Florencia was saying so interesting because I heard it, those exact words from a spiritualist uh, gentleman in a spiritualist church. And he was saying uh, in Brazil, I think you guys have developed a lot of theory. You've got a very strong and coherent um, body of knowledge in books and things, but you've lost sometimes the day-to-day -day, uh, sort of experience of, of mediumship. Uh, it sometimes is a bit sort of controlled. It was his opinion, but it's funny now that Florencia said kind of the same thing. Uh, and it's not about we are right or they're wrong. Or, no, it's I think about making bridges and what can we teach each other? 
we've all got a piece of the jigsaw. If we come together with our pieces of the jigsaw, we can get the bigger picture. And I, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it, uh, I would really be interested to, and sometimes I'm looking for more sort of scientific papers and things like that, to that, you know, really explore it in a non-biased way, uh, a, a true scientific approach where they say, let me see what's happening rather than to say, I'm coming out to prove you wrong or something like that. So if uh, mediums who can produce uh, materializations and so on, as we know, they, they, are, they are more rare and, and also there's lots of implications for their own health and well-being. Uh, it needs to be practiced in a safe way. But I think that if uh, conditions were right, things would naturally flow. I think that uh, when, if, if we create the space, things tend to appear uh, because we don't work alone. We're working in partnership with the spiritual world. And while we're here now in awakened state, we have only a small perception of what the bigger plan is. And if we start talking about something, it's most likely not our idea. It's most likely being inspired from the other side, saying, come on, guys, let's have a look at this, maybe. It is interesting that you mentioned William Crookes, and because he was one of the greatest scientific minds of the 19th century. And he wrote that uh, when writing about any subject, be it chemistry, astronomy, or, or physics, or electricity, what, what, whatever it was, he was called a genius, uh, a keen mind, and a brilliant intellect. But when writing about psychical research and mediumship, he was called unanimously, uh, he was called a fool and naive, and uh, ill-minded and, and senile. And this remembers us that uh, mediumship is uh, also uh, a, a cultural problem still. There, there are cultural barriers against it because uh, religious people or traditional religions suppose it to be uh, supernatural or superstitious or, or spooky while materialists uh, believe it to be uh, naive and, and superstitious too. So between materialism and uh, orthodox uh, religious doctrines, there is very little space, a very narrow space to critical analysis of this uh, very vast uh, area. And considering that we know that not everyone has always believed in the validity of mediumship, you know, during the late Victorian era, you know, in, in the early 1900s, many psychics, many mediums were found to be frauds, and they were found to be using various tricks, including you know, silk threads, cotton wool, towels, photographs pasted on cardboard in, in order to trick people, and this was quite common considering that most mediumistic activities were conducted in dark or near dark rooms meaning that you know, no one would be able to easily see what was going on and so another boom in fraudulent activity were the creation of spirit photographs where photographers would place thin sheets of a pre-taken photo in front of the photography plates needed at the time which would then superimpose the ghostly image onto the final photo. Now, nowadays, especially during this pandemic, there are many online psychics giving 
mediumistic readings and fortune telling. In fact, the psychic industry itself, as it were, has an estimated revenue of over £100 million in the UK this past year and an astonishing $2 billion revenue in the United States. Now, obviously, people can be sceptical when it comes to mediumship, like we've already been talking about. So what proof is there that mediumship is real and not just tricks and illusions? And what signs can we look for to see if someone is a fraudulent medium? It is rational to distrust what is uh, not worth trusting, what does not deserve our trust. And it is uh, actually hard to separate fraud from mediumship. If it wasn't, uh, no one would deny uh, mediumship or the existence of, of mediumship. But uh, a good way to start is to identify profit. Whenever we see financial or social profit, uh, we can uh, rationally justify the possibility of fraud because no sane person would invest many hours and, and energy in an activity from which uh, he or she doesn't take any sort of profit. I think in terms of trust, uh, that, that might be a good uh, parameter. But we also know that there are many genuine mediums, good, strong mediums, who in Europe, for example, use their mediumship as their main profession. Uh, this is something that spiritism strongly discourages people to do. But going back to the science bit, every time I come across, I haven't had time recently to read some of the more recent articles, but in the past, every time I came across a research on psychic phenomena, what I found as a researcher myself, as someone who designed experiments, to answer academic scientific questions. What I found was that they, the design of their experiments was not to determine objectively whether mediumship was a fact or not, but to prove that their misconceptions was correct. So they designed the experiment specifically to misprove something they didn't believe in, rather than objectively asking a question and designing an experiment that was reliable in terms of answering that question, whether it was a, an answer they liked or not. And I think this is the main problem from a scientific perspective. We need people with an open mind that ask the right questions and design the right appropriate experiments to determine. And that needs to come. As a microbiologist, I knew that I had to create the right conditions for the microorganisms I was going to study to do their job. So I can, could then determine whether the hypothesis I was trying to study was correct, incorrect, or there was something else there that I needed to look into further. We need to do the same for mediumship. We need to provide the right environment for testing mediumship. And we now, as Anna said, we had so much more technology to be able to do that. And some people are doing that, but they're doing that through the back door. They're studying neurology, they're studying mindfulness, they're studying the thought, and they're getting closer and closer to mediumship. But we need to come to this with an open mind. And the other point I want to make is we cannot expect 
to convince everybody. There are so many people that I still think that the Earth is flat, that we are at the center of the universe, the DNA molecule is a hoax, so we cannot expect to persuade everybody, but we might be able to persuade the majority of people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I, I once read um, some words from uh, Arthur Colin Doyle as he was duped by those photographs of the fairies. Uh, and he said he so much wanted to believe that he, he just believed without sort of have, uh, having a critical approach. And because sometimes we can get go the other way and believe in things just because so much we want it to be true that we forget to put the filter. The spirits always uh, say, and I like it, they say, call things what you like, as long as you're agreed on what you're talking about. And if you, you know, test everything, if it doesn't make sense, put it in the side, put it in the drawer and look at it later on. The good spirits, they don't mind us testing things. The ones who get upset and offended well, they're showing a very big sort of ego personality going on there. And then that would make say, a sign of a not very uh, evolved or noble spirit. So we have to find our way. Uh, I think that sometimes people want magical solutions. Uh, they want uh, somebody to tell their fortune. I want my fortune told. I want people to tell me I'm going to win the lottery so I can stop working. But it, it, it's a fantasy, it's magical thinking. So as long as I, I am aware that this is a fantasy and it's magical thinking, then that's okay. But if I put that then and I invest all my uh, time and effort into trying to find that way to, to improve my life, then that can become complicated. So I'm okay to, to talk to mediums. I've been to many different types of uh, mediumship meetings and I've had really interesting experiences in spiritualist churches people are given communications and sometimes they've given communications that I haven't asked for and they've been spot on and the person hasn't really understood what they were talking about but I understood everything because it was had a context for me uh, likewise people sometimes have said things that oh, I don't get it I don't understand it and that's fine because it might be that I'm just being blind or it might be that, that that's a trick and it's not for real um, so I think that uh, what are you looking for in mediumship is always a question. The medium is not going to solve your life. Uh, the medium is not going to bring the answer to all your questions. But the medium can facilitate some consolation sometimes or a message from uh, a loved one, confirmation that life goes on, um, that there is life after death, uh, things like that. And sometimes, you know, that can be really valuable but it's not because you paid for it that you're going to necessarily get it. And I think that that in part, uh, with no disrespect to, to our colleagues who do charge, I think that's where part of the difficulty of charging for something over which you don't have control. Say, if I go and I say, oh, I'd like to have to speak to my deceased father, he might not be available, he might not come through. So how can she charge me for something that might not happen? It's, it's complicated. And I think it puts undue pressure. It's, it's a hard way of earning a living. Uh, but yeah, everybody, I think I, I give freedom to people to do as they choose. The, but I wouldn't choose it for myself because I think that I need to, to have um, of a steady income, if you like, uh, something that I can rely on. A mediumship, 
it depends on the others to come through. And if they don't come through, what, what then? So it is uh, something that we are still, you know, learning and working. So I think you need to always approach it with an open mind, uh, with a critical sort of approach and not being gullible and believing everything just because a spirit says it or some or a medium says it, but saying, well, does this make sense? Uh, does this seem reasonable? Uh, how does this contribute, you know, to my life, to my, to my well-being at this point? And uh, thinking about it in those terms, I think, is, is useful for me. I found your question very interesting and pertinent, Adam. And it led me to reflect on Alan Kardec in, in, chapter, in chapter 27, which says, in the Medium's book, which talks about contradictions and mystifications. And I was wondering, or trying to analyze, the current context in which this industry, as it were, of mediumship is being constituted. And something interesting that strikes me is that we need to separate mediumistic phenomenon from purely psychic phenomena or anemic phenomena, which are normally the phenomena which we find that we encounter, for example, within this context of psychic readings. Generally, society at least a good portion of society which believes in the immortality of the soul is still steeped in in thoughts that psychology would call magical thoughts around the contact with spirits, mediumistic communications, which are usually seen by these individuals as a means of revelation for their personal issues. So, when they seek psychics or mediums, they go much more in, in an attempt to get answers to, to practical questions of material life, rather than for the pure, simple, honest and beautiful experience of mediumship which will reveal the immortality of the soul in a pure, simple, and aesthetically extraordinary way. However, we need to bring some considerations, and we do so on the basis of what Alan Kardec presents to us in the Medium's book. The fact that a medium receives payment for the practice of their faculty does not mean that exclusively and categorically we should put them in the same frame of fraudulent individuals.
As I said before, I had contact with several Anglo-Saxon mediums and Anglo-Saxon mediumship, spiritualistic mediumship. In a general way, it is paid mediumship. But in spite of being paid mediumship, in my capacity as a spiritist and as a researcher, I was fully convinced of the sincerity of the honesty that was that was presented to me based based on the observation of the phenomena that these mediums showed us so here's what Kardec says and obviously we need to develop a kind of hermeneutical thinking so that we don't pigeonhole all the individuals who receive payment for their mediumistic faculty on the account of fraudulent and, let's say, ill-intentioned individuals, because this is not always the case. It is possible to find in individuals, in paid mediums, sincere individuals who are developing their faculties in this way because they are unaware of other forms of mediumistic practice. For example, because they do not know the spiritist proposal, which offers us the possibility of mediumistic practice for free, so that we can ennoble ourselves morally, so to speak, and conquer other spaces of spiritual experience. So Kardec, in item 311, and it's important that we touch on this subject because often we spiritists are very biased and prejudiced against mediums who receive payment. In chapter 28, item 311, Kardec says, The degree of trust or distrust which we give to rewarded mediums. I find this expression so delicate on Kardec's part, rewarded mediums, depends, before anything else, on the esteem of their character and their morality and also on the circumstances. Look at what we need to observe. We need to observe character and morality, and we need to look at circumstances. Obviously, this consideration I'm sharing is not a consideration by way of justification for paid mediumship, but only a consideration so that we spiritists broaden our vision a bit more and extend our kindness compassion and mercy to those who use their mediumistic faculty to obtain financial benefits. Kardec goes on, mediums who have a serious and eminently useful purpose, but who are prevented from using their time in another activity are for this reason exempt from other obligations and cannot be confused with speculating mediums who have premeditatively made mediumship a business. 
Therefore, according to the motive and the purpose, spirits may condemn, absolve, or even favor them. They judge the intent more than the material fact. So, this is only so that we can expand our discussion a little further and not get into the realm of prejudice, of judgment, that I think, as a spiritist and religious person, are extremely detrimental to the progress of our human relations. I was reminded of that film, Ghost. Uh, well, maybe some of the young people haven't seen it, but uh, in the film, which was a Hollywood movie, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, she plays a, a medium, a fortune-telling medium, and who makes up uh, some of her readings and things like that, until the, the, the person, the hero of the story, realizes that actually he can make himself uh, present to her and that she can see him, and that actually she is a medium. And then she gets scared and she's running away from him. But it, I think that there is an element also of this, uh, that sometimes you know, um, the considerations that Florencia was doing about intention, about morality. So I think about us here on earth. I mean, we, our intentions might be good one day and not so good the next day. We might be fluctuating. We know what's good, but we are still our primitivity still comes forth and uh, we do selfish things and uh, um, motivated for other reasons. So I think that there is, there is this element of, um, fluctuation as well. And uh, like I like say, I, I do agree with Florence, so we don't want to go down the pathway of judgment, but putting it onto ourselves to say, okay, can I accept this or not? Does this make sense to me? And uh, not um, to try and to move away from looking for solutions coming from the outside, from others, from the spiritual world or through mediums or psychics, but saying that actually the answers that I need for my life can come from within, through the inspiration of the good spirits to us, uh, who, for we are never alone. So I think it just a slight, um, as we move along as a, as a humanity progressing, is just discovering that the kingdom of God is within and that the answers that we need for our lives are within. Uh, of course, the good spirits and the mediums, they, they might be able to give us a good word, uh, give us some guidance, but nobody uh, needs to depend on others for that, that we can within, we can find that. Yeah. And obviously in the mediums book, which we were talking about, it does have a strong focus on understanding what mediumship is and how we can use it for positive things for our betterment. Now, Florence, I wanted to come to you now because many people know of your work as a painting medium, you know, producing very wonderful pieces of art through mediumship. And I've been fortunate enough to have been to a few of the sessions where you've produced paintings by Monet, Manet, Picasso, Van Gogh, etc., and even filmed a couple of these events. And you know, looking at the footage, it's clear to see that your eyes are closed and sometimes the lights are not very bright but you know the fine there are fine details there which would be impossible to complete without you being physically close up to the canvas and with your eyes open so i'm completely convinced of your mediumship being 100 legitimate but 
have you had anyone questioning your mediumship? <laughs> that's, that's a funny question, Adam. <laughs> yes, several times, even by spiritists. <laughs> because naturally, giving an opinion is part of being human. However, giving an opinion from a safe investigative process is an extremely difficult task. Only a safe, honest investigative process, extremely connected with theory, can tell us if something is, if something is or is not. That is, and obviously, produced from that, quality of life and social improvements is one of the great goals of science. And spiritist science, in this sense, favours the deconstruction of this materialistic, extremely mathematical, calculator-based way through which we see the world. Of course, I've had some quite interesting experiences related to this, but much more within the issue of opinion than within investigative matters. Because the latter, they were significantly confirming of the hypothesis of mediumship. The last one I took part in happened in, in 2016, was carried out by Professor Dr. Jose Vivas from the Federal University of Bahia, who is the supervisor of a psychologist called Jessica Placido, who is studying brain networks and mediumship. And at the time, what they noticed in that experiment was that my brain during the process, during the process of creating paintings and during the process of psychography, was that the prefrontal and frontal cortex were producing delta waves in a massive way and in a way that they overpowered the other electrical brainwave. And we know that delta waves, except for psychopathological conditions, are indicative of a state of sleep. So how is it that this individual was asleep and in his prefrontal and frontal cortex, which are responsible for the higher psychological processes, how could this individual be asleep and paint two pictures at the same time and write with, with coherence, even writing something which indicated some parts of the research project that needed to be improved without the medium being aware? So, the experiments in that sense, in the sense of pure science, hard science, with the scientific methodologies that we have in so-called hard science, the results are extremely favourable, at least favourable, to the question of the paranormal. 
Now, in the case of opinionated matters, I had a very funny experience which I asked permission to tell you about. During one of our presentations of mediumistic painting in a city in Europe, I won't say the name, <laughs> when we finished the work, a gentleman stood up, even before I could speak, and asked permission to speak about our work. Obviously, I gave permission, and he started to talk about his background. He was a psychiatrist, and his resume was relatively interesting. And then he said, look, assuming the possibility of your good faith, because I want to believe in your good faith, all that there is here, in fact, comes from a process of auto-suggestion, of vomiting from the unconscious mind. You auto-suggest, you understand yourself as being an intermediary of the spirits, but in the end it is you by yourself who, who has a great artistic ability and who is painting these pictures that your brain has unconsciously stored up regarding these great painters. I was deeply shocked because that man had not made any investigation into my life about my personal life, about my skills and competences, for example, regarding drawing and painting. He couldn't assess my moral integrity in the face of that work, and so the opinion he gave, while it should receive my respect, was misleading. It was an opinion that, that didn't conform with the truth. So, obviously, I had to offer him a reflective space. So, I asked, Sir, do you not believe in anything? He said, No, I don't believe in anything at all. Then I came back to him and said, but I believe in one thing. He said, really? What do you believe in? And I said, I believe that you're going to die. And then the man got really scared from that perspective. In other words, I don't believe in witches, but that they exist, they exist. Because surely he must have been thinking, I wonder what this guy is saying about my life. And he blushed in a way that I sympathized with him, and I was even afraid that he might have a heart attack in front of me. So I said the following, you're going to die, but so am I. Then I saw that he relaxed in the chair, because good misfortune is shared misfortune, right? And so, when he relaxed, I said, look, you're going to die, I'm going to die too, all of us here will die one day. And when you die, and you realize you're an immortal spirit, you will remember that young man who came from Brazil to provide you with a space for reflection about your own immortality. Because this is one of the great purposes of mediumship, to remind the human being that they are essentially immortal, that they are spiritual, living a material experience in a transitory way in order to learn many things. 
So I deal very well with this question of skepticism. I'm fully convinced that I am a medium. Obviously, here and there, we must have already slipped into some kind of anemic or psychological process, some fraud, in some way unconsciously. But the construction of this whole process that I have lived and lived through with the spirits gives me full certainty that I am a medium, that the spirits communicate through me. And my goal is not to convince anyone, no matter who they are, of my personal truth. On the contrary, my aim with mediumship is to use this instrument to improve myself every day and that other people may receive from this contact or from this phenomenon that the spirits provoke through me in the way that their conscience determines. Yeah. And well, thank you for all those details, but there's one other question I wanted to ask is, are you ever frightened that your mediumship could end? No, I'm not afraid of, of suffering, shall we say, a loss of the mediumistic faculty, because I don't depend on it. If the spirits thus understand it as, as a benefit for me to suspend my mediumship, I will obviously make every effort to be able to understand the circumstances that led the spirits to suspend my mediumship faculty and take from this effort all possible learnings. As a matter of fact, I recently had a suspension of my mediumship, specifically of painting mediumship, and it was something very curious which generated in me a process of significant learning. Last year, in April, I discovered, in fact, I was diabetic at an extremely frightening level. And following treatment, I realized that the spirit painters were no longer approaching me. I was very intrigued with that process. I would close my eyes, go to the place that we set aside for mediumistic painting work, normally from 12.30 to 2 o'clock, so that they can develop their tasks. And the spirits, during that time, didn't approach. I would arrive, I'd arrive and leave like a door. That is, like an inanimate object, without any emotional impression, so to speak, on the part of the spirits. This phenomenon only resumed again now, in March, and, and it was a great joy for me. Firstly, the confirmation that I am a painter medium, because I was trying to paint to make contact during that interval. I was trying to get in touch with the spirits and absolutely nothing came out. So for me in particular, it was, it was very good in that sense. The fact that I discovered that I 
am a painting medium. And secondly, what I perceived on the part of the spirits, Alan Kardec develops in chapter... In the chapter where he studies in the medium's book, The Loss and Suspension of Mediumship. So, what I noticed is that the suspension of my mediumship at that moment was due more to an organic issue. The spirits were sparing my organism from greater impacts in the psychic sense, which could even aggravate my state of illness. And so they spared me during that time so that I could recover my health and work later on with more tranquility. So, Adam, I have no fear of losing my mediumistic faculty because I don't depend on it to live. I would just say that it would be a pity because I really, as a medium, adore I adore feeling the presence of the spirits. This confirms my immortality, the immortality of the soul. The closeness of the spirits gives me the certainty that beyond biological death, dear loved ones are waiting for us. And I can't wait to get there on the other side to be able to embrace my mother, Sydney, Sheila, Dr. Ivan Costa, without the limits of the body. Yeah, but you need to stay here at least for a little bit longer, please. <laughs> well, we've obviously talked a bit about the Medium's book already today, and you know, this is an iconic work which explains about mediumship. And obviously nowadays there are many different books uh, talking about mediumship, as well as lectures, YouTube videos, which all say that it is part of nature, like we talked about before. Plus, there are, obviously, many spiritualistic groups that have mediumship circles where anyone can attend at any time without having done anything before. And so, that brings us to the next question for what does spiritism say about? The question we have here is, if mediumship is a natural gift, why does spiritism recommend studying it? Can't we just practice it? I think we have to educate it for the same reason we, we should educate any other talent or faculty of our soul. Uh, we, we have artistic inclinations or talents or intelligence uh, capacities that uh, can eventually be improved by education. Education is the way we give uh, proper form to our dispositions, capacities, and, and inclinations. So nothing that can be improved and tamed and educated should uh, remain uh, wild, brute, and uh, uneducated. I'm going to answer with a question. If music is a natural talent, why should we study it? When that is answered, then they can reverse that to mediumship and it's more or less the same. It doesn't mean that because something is natural that it can't be bettered, that uh, not everybody comes with the same talent uh, and we need to 
be able to uh, think you know, it was very interesting what uh, Florencio was saying about his own uh, experience when his mediumship was suspended and then returned that it proved to himself even that he is that you know a medium that receives paintings from uh, from spirits but it's we study everything imagine what history would be like if everybody just said we don't need to study the facts we're just going to make up our own version of history and everybody has a different version of the history there are certain things about mediumship that's scientific that needs to be studied there are certain things that we can we can uh, learn to protect ourselves we can learn to be better at that's why we, we study everything yeah and i would say yes adding on to that that uh, we need to understand how how it works so let's say electricity is a natural phenomenon and we can use electricity for great things but if we don't know how to use it we can have an electric shock so making a parallel uh, it's it's yeah it's natural but we need to understand the laws that govern it so that we can practice it in a safe way in a productive way we can understand what's going on uh, and, uh, and that's why it's i think it's really important uh, so that we are not uh, gullible uh, we don't um, fall under the sort of the spell of tricking uh, spirits and things but we are uh, going in with our eyes wide open with a full understanding of what's going on or if we are thinking okay this is some areas where this is a bit tricky how does this work and understanding uh, how the, the faculty works in us and how it develops and uh, what can affect it you know um, what, what different uh, elements in the environment in our own lives can have an impact on, on its presentation. So definitely, I think it's, it's, it's not about getting a diploma, studying mediumship, and now you get a diploma, now you're a medium, off you go. It's not like that. It's, it's about uh, really getting an understanding and working with it so that we can use it to its full potential. We've been studying what it is to be human for centuries. And we we still, we still don't know properly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the study of DNA, the study of molecules, the study of every science is about studying what it is to be human, where we are evolving towards. And mediumship is part of it. Yeah. So perhaps now is a good time to start studying about life after death, mediumship, spirits. Who knows? Well, thank you all for those great insights. And of course, if there is anyone out there who wants to know more about mediumship and more about spiritism, feel free to contact us here at Kardec Group. You can contact us via our website, www.kardec.org.uk, via our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for Kardec Group, and you know, we'll be more than happy to help. Due to the pandemic, all groups in the UK are still meeting online, and you can find details of these groups on our website as well. But if you want to study with us specifically, we have two groups with public spiritist meetings, the Spiritist Society of Windsor and Maidenhead, which studies in English every Saturday morning, and the Spiritist Society of Bista, which studies in Portuguese every Wednesday evening. Again, feel free to contact us here at Kardec Group if you want to find out more. 
And there is another activity from Cardec Group that we wanted to talk about, which is our High Five fundraising campaign. When this current pandemic started, and once we started to understand the impact, we started to see people losing their jobs, you know, people needing to isolate, people finding that they were without the basic resources because shops were empty. We saw that it would be necessary to help others more than before. And of course, we've talked about this before, Spiritism teaches us about the need of charity, and so our thoughts went straight to the community groups we knew, know of in Brazil and saw that they were struggling. One, in particular, was Grupo Spirita Sheila, run by our friend Florenzo here. Florenzo, can you tell us briefly about the work your group does with the local community and why that work is important? Our institution has been around for 21 years, functioning specifically in the neighborhood of Musarunga, which is a poor neighborhood in Salvador. It's a neighborhood that has two areas of deep misery, which we call favelas, Colinas de Musarunga and Baixinha. We started this work with nine children and eight families. Today, there are 65 children and 72 families. Before the pandemic, we developed a series of social educational projects. Musical education, corporeal education, education for the development of values, among other initiatives. Today, because of the situation of the pandemic and the impossibility of converting mediumistic paintings into financial resources for the maintenance of this work, which is relatively large, we are, in the physical sense, located in an area of approximately 1,200 square meters with three buildings, four employees, three permanent employees, and one seasonal employee. Naturally, the accounts of the institution were relatively affected, for which we are very grateful for the initiatives of kind hearts who, understanding the validity of our work and the need for this work to continue, have been helping us throughout this year and a half approximately. This is something that gives me great joy, Adam and dear friends, to realize the direct intervention of the spiritual benefactors towards our needs. This is something I must tell all those listening to us. God intervenes even in material matters, provided, obviously, that this can produce goodness. There are stories in the history of various mediums of interventions of this nature, and with me, it wasn't any different. Just to give you an idea, I've mentioned this earlier, 
This month, for example, I had a conversation with Jesus, because my relationship with the spirits and with our Master is very tranquil, very open, an extremely dialogical relationship. So I was deeply concerned about the finances of the institution this month. We had to buy food, we had 10 baby boxes that we needed to deliver, among other things. We had to pay the staff, pay the taxes of those employees. And what we had in our account would not cover all of the responsibilities of these expenses. So, I talked to Jesus the day before the holiday of Corpus Christi. I entered the name Jesus into Google, clicked on images, and then a bunch of images came up. And I was looking at each one of them in order to try to enter into the affectionate presence of Christ. I then realized that, at a certain moment, I was starting to rationalize, because I began to think, wow, Jesus was, was Palestinian. He was, he was Jewish. And this Jesus here is very European. So when I realized that, I said, no, I won't go into these rational processes. I'm going to open my heart. So I said to him, Lord, I am your employee, and I feel that way. I feel I am an employee of Christ, a worker of Christ. If this work was built and is still going on, it's through his will. I fully believe in this. And so I said to him, the work is here, we are suffering, and I can't, on my own, afford to keep it going. You see our need, and I need your help. And so, I then put on some music, a Gregorian chant that I like a lot. It's a very beautiful song, which speaks poetically of Christ. I put that music on and was swept away in terms of emotion to a place, let's say, subjective, that was very good. And I came back from that experience with deep peace within my heart and the certainty that he would not fail me. And the most curious thing was that two days later, we received a donation from yourselves there from High Five. <laughs> which, together with the financial resources that we had in our account, we managed to cover our responsibilities. So we are carrying on with our work, thanks to the sincere support of these dear friends who have donated to us, which is why I would like to thank all of you for this for this demonstration of trust in our work. Believe me that the resources are being very well used and are truly directed to those who need them. Yeah, no, and it's uh, our pleasure to help to raise 
this uh, little contribution to help you with the fantastic work that you do out there. And so for anyone who wants to know more about this, uh, you can find an interview that we had with Florenzo, as well as with Daniel Rossi, who runs a similar group, Instituto Multirol in Curitiba, Brazil. You can find that on the Kardec Group YouTube channel. And we strongly recommend that you watch that to learn more about both of these institutes, which the High Five campaign helps. And so if anyone listening or watching is able to help with donations, no matter how little or how much you know you can find more details about this uh, about this continuous fundraising campaign on our website which is www.cardec.org.uk slash high five and that's spelled out h-i-g-h-f-i-v-e and you can find the details and link for that in the description and on screen if you're watching on screen florenzo before we end can you please tell us about the book that you've recently published (laughs) actually i have two books this is the second one it's the result of my master's dissertation In this dissertation, I analyzed the life narratives of a philosopher and professor from Oxford University called C.S. Lewis in terms of the attempt to open up a space for reflection on the importance of spirituality in the humanistic education of teachers. So this is this is basically our our effort to contribute to the broadening of reflections on spirituality its importance in the humanistic education of teachers because C.S. Lewis is one of those teachers we could say from whose humanistic education we can take the importance of the the spiritual dimension and the book is called Surprised by Joy. Joy, when we analyze it, works like this process that modern science calls intrinsic spirituality, works as as a driver, as a motivator, to search for what C.S. Lewis later called the absolute. absolute. And that's what we see there in the various sciences, in psychology, in nursing, for example, in medicine, in the area of social anthropology. We notice that spirituality works with this as this as this instrument of connection, in addition to others, obviously, this instrument that leads the individual to reconnect with something outside and above them. Obviously, we must also consider that there are other materialistic and reductive perspectives on spirituality, as shown, for example, by Comte Sponville in his book Spirituality Without God. And and that's it. That's our work. That's our work. That's our effort. And as a researcher, I am linked to the research group on innovative syllabus and practices of the Adventist University of Sao Paulo. I'm a researcher there, and recently my professional work has 
taken place with the academy, along with the propagation of books, along with the workshops and lectures that we give in the area of thanatology, in the area of spirituality and health, spirituality and education, and obviously in the postgraduate courses where I'm a lecturer. Great. Thank you for that. Annie, what do you have for us today for our moment of reflection? Thank you, Adam. Uh, I have chosen today um, by the spirit André Luis through the mediumship of Francisco Candido Xavier, a little book called uh, Christian Agenda uh, that has little messages in it, which are of very practical application. And the message that we have today is message uh, number 38, and it's called Do Not Ruin Your Day. And it goes like this. Your irritation will not solve any problems. Your contrarieties will not alter the nature of things. Your disappointments will not do the work that only time will achieve. Your bad mood will not modify life. Your pain will not stop the sun from shining tomorrow over the good and the bad. Your sadness will not illuminate pathways. Your discouragement will not edify anyone. Your tears will not replace the sweat and effort which you ought to employ for the benefit of your own happiness. Your complaints even if affectionately construed, will never increase others' sympathy for you by one ounce. Do not ruin your day. Learn from divine wisdom to forgive endlessly, so constructing and reconstructing for the infinite good. Well, friends, that is it for this episode. Please let us know your thoughts and comments, and send us your questions for What Does Spiritism Say About? You can contact us via social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you follow us and give us a like from time to time. You can email us at insightfully at and you can always contact us via our website, www.cardec.org.uk where you can also find out more details about our group, our meetings as well as that very important High Five campaign that we talked about earlier. So it just leaves me now to give a big thank you to our guests Tanis Stevanin and Florenza Anton for me to say a thank you to my co-hosts Annie Sinclair and Umberto Schubert. My name is Adam Osborne, and I hope that you can join us once more next time for another episode of Insightfully Speaking, looking at the world from a spiritist perspective. Mm -hmm.